0: And welcome back for another episode of Lost and Down, where we're going to cover, recap, Week 7 of the NFL, as well as look a little forward to the Week 8 of the NFL. I am your host, Stephen Weed, and always joining me, my man in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Wally Lukashensky. Wally, how are we feeling tonight?
1: I'm doing really well. I'm not too hung up on last week's Tampa Bay loss. We'll get into that later. Raiders are going to the great city of Cleveland this weekend to beat them and give them a the work a little bit. So I'm doing well, Steven. Got, got to get excited. How about you?
0: I'm not doing too bad. My Packers are coming off a nice W. And there's just a lot of good games in the NFL overall. I mean, we had a battle between the, the Titans and the Steelers, the Seahawks and the Cardinals, the Niners and the pa- Yeah, that really wasn't actually a game at all. But we're going to get to all those games before. But first, before we hop into it, we want to introduce a new segment of the show here. We're going to call this the Hair of the Dog. These are going to be all the games that we honestly just don't care about because they were blowouts or there's nothing that these teams did not prove anything to us that we didn't really know. It's the first few sips that's really hard to come to get down after being hungover. So that's what this is. Hair of the dog. Carson Wentz, two touchdowns in the final five minutes of the Thursday night game to the New York football Giants. Throwing two touchdowns in the final five minutes to win the game. This Philadelphia Eagles team is an absolute joke. Now the division leader at two, four, and one. I mean, Wally, what to make of this game? Is is this going to be the Eagles coming back on track, or is this just another NFC East game we don't give a shit about?
1: Well, we've seen it several times in the last five, ten years, where the Eagles, in a very weak NFC East, have beaten the Giants to get their season back on track when they were in two or more games under five hundred. We saw for a third time this last week. I really hope it doesn't mean that they're going to win the division, but right now, with the quarterback situation in Dallas, the Giants being just crippled themselves, and Washington being Washington, I feel like this has to be the Eagles division.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree, which is so sad. This team is going to be 6-10, 7-9, winning that division. Sorry, 6-9-1. and one. I don't want to do the quick math on the yeah. other records that they could be, but yeah, that's embarrassing in itself. And the fact that they're going to host a team, most likely having a better record than them in the playoffs is mind-boggling to me. We'll keep it in the division here where the Washington football team absolutely smoked the Dallas Cowboys. Like you said, Andy Dalton just getting murdered on that hit I mean my goodness and Mike McCarthy throwing a little bit of shade at his players in the press saying you know no one's really blocking for Andy Dolan no one's really you know standing up for him on this and quite frankly Zeke Elliott looks better off in Mexico at this point this team is an absolute dumpster fire Washington rattle off a couple wins maybe fighting for the Eagles in that division spot Wally what are your thoughts on this game
1: the Cowboys look completely disinterested. It doesn't feel like it, but they're only half a game out because of that tie for Philly. So they could realistically still win this division. I still think that if there is another team that could compete with Philly, it is Dallas. But you're right. Zeke doesn't look like he even cares to be on the football field right now. And I mean, he's arguably my favorite Buckeye of all time, but man, he needs to step up. It's been embarrassing. He mentions last week he's not going to fumble. And go figure, he all of a sudden can't hold on to the ball. One of the guys with the most sure-handed – or sure-hands in the league is a running back. All of a sudden can't do it. Dalton's dead. Cowboys, I think, are in trouble too. There's not really much here to even get excited about. We will talk about the Chiefs more in depth here in a second. But, Stephen, the Chiefs go to Denver. We get to see a little bit of a snow game. They completely dismantle the Broncos. All of a sudden, we have to start wondering maybe – Did we get a little too high on Drew Locke, a little too fast? Maybe. I don't know. What what were your thoughts on this? We got to see Lev Bell in Kansas City. Kind of feels like the Chiefs are right back on track, no?
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of scared of. Everyone was kind of doubting them a couple weeks ago. Then here we go. People jumping right back on the bandwagon. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't put up a crazy game. He only threw for 200 yards, 15 of 23. You know, he probably sat down for, you know, most of the fourth quarter, if not the whole fourth quarter in this game. Yeah, I think we were I think I personally and we together were a little bit too high on Drew Locke. It was kind of a bumpy season for him coming off that shoulder injury. Now we have the issue with Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon in the backfield. That team was just not what they were looking and hoping that they were going to be this season. So that Melvin Gordon signing was a complete bust. I'm wondering if they're going to you know, end up bringing him back here at the end of this season. But man, oh man, that Denver Broncos team's a lost cause offensively this year. But who is not a lost cause is Justin Herbert, the rookie, for the Los Angeles Chargers just lighting up the Jaguars. The Jaguars are the Jaguars, as we thought. Really nothing to say too much there. But Justin Herbert, he's clearly the answer. Four touchdowns and 347 yards. Wally, could could he maybe potentially make a little run here with some, uh, with some games down the stretch for the Chargers and put them in playoff contention?
1: Well, it was good to finally get to see Herbert get a win under his belt. He's played very well in losing efforts this entire year. Just a Chargers team that's once again, stop me if you've heard this before, really banged up from injuries especially on that defensive side of the ball. Talk about a team that feels absolutely cursed. Yeah, they might be able to win a few games, but to me the AFC West, there's only two realistic teams that can have a, a representative in the playoffs because of how strong the AFC North is this year. I don't think the Chargers get back in it. Maybe maybe they can win a few, get that, their name on the in the hunt thing towards the end of the year. Well, we'll see. Speaking of in the hunt, all of a sudden the Detroit Lions are 3 and 3. You remember that game to start the year against the Bears. This team could very well be 4 and 2 if DeAndre Smith, Swift catches that pass in the first week of the year. The Falcons, of course, they blow another fantastic, fantastically blown game. It was kind of impressive. Here's a fun stat for you, Steven. If you had been betting on the team playing the Falcons' money line all year, you'd be up four units right now. If you bet the money line against the teams that Falcons were playing at at the peak of the game of their win percentage, you would have plus over 211 units. That (laughs) Falcons team has been remarkable. These blown leads are something we've never seen before. We thought maybe with Dan Quinn gone, it would stop. It doesn't seem like it's stopping, man. So I guess for you, what's the next step in Atlanta and then into Detroit? All of a sudden, like I said, should be four and two. Are they a threat to come and become a wild card team in the NFC?
0: The Falcons are the Falcons. This is just their motto now. They're just going to take the lead in the game and then inevitably blow it. They must be taking the other teams in this game. That's who's up the 211 units Are most of these Falcons players That's how Matt Ryan's getting richer That's how Julio Jones is getting richer That's enough about them My goodness, Evan, I'm sorry bud But man, this Falcons team has got to be ripping your heart out Every single Sunday And I do apologize for that As for the Detroit Lions They're winners of three of their last four They have a somewhat easy schedule here The next few games They're playing against the Colts this Sunday Then at Minnesota Hosting the Washington football team then out a Carolina Panthers team. Most of these games, I think they can win. I think that they can squeak out against the Colts potentially in an offensive shootout against an old Phillip Rivers. Definitely could light up the Vikings secondary. Washington, now that's going to be an interesting game. I still think that they can pull that out. In Carolina, I can feel like that's a game that Carolina can slip up. So I, I think that Detroit can potentially move into a playoff spot here. Obviously with the seventh wildcard spot or the seventh spot open, another wildcard spot. That could be Detroit's for the taking here, and I'm very interested to see how they're going to go. Now, do you think that they could be a playoff team is the more important question, Wally?
1: To be honest, I think that they're probably in a better position to make a run to get into the playoffs than Chicago is. Chicago's 5-2. and two. We'll get into them a little bit later. But, no, yeah, this Lions team, especially with that acquisition of Everson Griffin, I, I feel good about this team. I don't think that they are necessarily a threat to win anything or to upstage anybody in the postseason. But yeah, absolutely, with this stretch coming up over the next month and a half here, they certainly have the potential to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of going out and executing right now. You already alluded to, but I think they need to at least win three of the next five. I think four of the next five is more realistic to get in. But it's all about this next month if you want. If we expect to see the Lions
0: in the postseason. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But at the end of the day, it's Detroit. You know that they're gonna choke and do something wrong, and they're not gonna make it. <laughs> but who was making it? The Buffalo Bills making it through the uprights six times to beat the New York Jets 18 to 10. And they missed another field goal in there to actually cover the spread. We'll get we're gonna to have to get to that one later. But the Bills only putting up field goals against the Jets did not put up a touchdown against arguably the worst team in the NFL. I don't care if it is a D in a division foe, you still have to put up touchdowns against the Jets. So Wally, are we pumping the brakes on the Bills after this oh, ugly, ugly game, ugly win that they had against New York?
1: Yeah, you know, if I'm a Bills fan right now, this last I about a month. They've not looked nearly as sharp as they did to start the season. The Jets, as we know, are a very bad team. At some point, you've got to imagine Pride's going to stick in. So I do want to consider at least a little bit of this. Credit to the Jets' defense. They were able to manage his, or keep the Bills' offense completely out of the end zone for an entire 60 minutes. But the Bills aren't very good. I, I They're going to win this division right now. I was very high on the Patriots to win the division. We'll get to that, obviously, before too long. But the Bills are going to win, but I don't think that necessarily is too much of an accomplishment anymore. Both AFC and NFC East are the worst divisions on their side of the conference. So, I I mean, it's just a weird feeling. It feels like this is setting up for another Bills team to get into the playoffs and potentially break the hearts of Buffalo fans everywhere. I don't know what else to say about the Bills right now. Gross, gross team. Josh Allen hasn't looked nearly as, as good as he had earlier in the year. Maybe you have a different uh, takeaway from this, though. Maybe you think, hey, you know, you got to just win these gritty games at this part of the year just to get to the postseason and potentially make a run at it there.
0: It shows you that you can win the gritty, ugly games you can win by obviously having defense and your special teams and not having a a complete offensive game. So this stops an ugly two-game skid of losing that they just had. So a nice win like this is a good morale boost, get the confidence back. Ugly, yes, but still in the W column. So the Buffalo Bills are going to take it, especially when they're going to take the Patriots losing. So that is the end of the hair of the dog. We got rid of all the BS here early. We're going to dive right back into it to what we were calling the birdbath battle. The Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals going at it, and man, oh, man, I want to sh- give a shout-out to Tyler Lockett putting up 45 points on my fantasy team, helping me beat my roommate Garrett Blair. Garrett, you're a bitch, and I loved – winning that game and I was sleeping during it and I'm gonna say it I was sleeping during that game and I was beating your ass while sleeping so that's awesome Russell Wilson they're letting him cook but it looked like he undercooked the chicken on this one here three interceptions Wally very unlikely and Kyler Murray 427 total yards four touchdowns and DeAndre Hopkins 10 receptions for 103 yards and a tutty man oh man Wally, is it time to take this Cardinals team serious again? And is it finally time to start talking about how horrible this Seahawks defense is?
1: Yeah, I think that the Seattle defense has obviously been the glaring hole in this team. I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson threw the, the, quite a few interceptions. It's not in character for him. He still threw for almost 400 yards, three touchdowns, as you alluded to. Tyler Lockett went off, and not to mention Russell Wilson ran for 84 yards in this game as well. So the the prop. The Offense isn't going to be an issue. I'm not worried about the picks. That's a little out of character, but no big deal. That defense, like you said, is terrible. And why not think Arizona might be able to make a run at this division now? This entire NFC West, wow. There's three teams with five wins right now. And even the 49ers who I kind of wrote off, they're four and three. This is anybody's game. The Seahawks defense needs to address it and/or address some problems. And what did they do today? They brought in Carlos Dunlap, traded a seventh-round pick and a utility offensive lineman for him to the Bengals. Who knows? Let's, let's see if uh, that Seah- Seahawks defense can finally get a little bit of a, a pass rush since, what, losing to Damian Clowney. They really haven't seen that. And Man, teams are just putting up points, putting up yards on the Seahawks defense. Huge red flags right now. But if you have Russell Wilson, you're going to be there at the end of the year. So something to keep an eye on. Not gonna overreact. I think the Seahawks get them in Seattle. Who knows? Maybe that NFC West uh, matchup between the Cardinals and Seahawks here in a few weeks. The winner of that might end up being the NFC West champion. But you know who's not gonna win a division? It's the Chicago Bears. I don't care if they're five and two or not. I know you're gonna agree with me already. They lose to LA. Look very bad doing it. Again, it's what it feels like every year. The Bears, decent defense, terrible on offense. They can hang around. They're going to win eight or nine games, but I don't even think this team makes the playoffs right now. You you mentioned it earlier, uh, Nick Foles, this team. They just – they look bad, Steven. They look bad. I know that makes you happy, but what do you think? Do you think that this team is a realistic threat to come and potentially win the NFC North, or are you kind of with me and you think this team's a fraud?
0: No, absolutely not. You know I don't think the Bears are a threat. What's up, Adam Alfonso? You're not feeling so confident after cooking up whatever you're cooking up on Monday night just to see your team get absolutely spanked. The offense barely even – I don't even think they cracked 300 yards. Nick Foles throwing two interceptions. Big Dick Nick shrinking in the windy city. It's a little bit too cold out there in the Chicago streets for Nick Foles. That team is offensively just looking like a dumpster fire like it has, quite frankly, for the closer part to a decade plus, dating back to the end of the Jay Cutler days. The Rams and that defense is are looking very real. That defense is looking great. Jared Goff is putting up a solid game. There's nothing amazing that sticks out to me that the Rams did offensively. They just did their jobs. That's all they did, which is basically a Sean McVay-ran offense right down to a T. So I think they did great. Chicago are the frauds that we were expecting, what well, we thought. We'll see how they want to go here down the stretch. But Nick Foles, seven total touchdowns, since replacing Mitch Trubisky, six interceptions. Huh. That doesn't seem like some great numbers. Does that seem like a starting quarterback number to you, Wally? I just don't understand why there's this love for Nick Foles.
1: If you eliminate that one year where he went off, what was it, 20-something touchdowns, two interceptions. Gee, even in the year they won the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. He looked terrible until that postseason. And even in the postseason, he was kind of meh up until the the Super Bowl. And he took advantage of one of the – the worst defenses on a contending Patriots team we've seen in the last 20 years. Other than that, he was a joke in Jacksonville. Why was this supposed to be different? I don't know what I'm missing. I just like, yeah, Nick, Nick Foles. See, he's a great guy. He's hilarious to listen Not even hilarious, but he's just, he, he's a good dude. You little, you like to hear him. You want to see him in the league. He's a good backup. But why do we believe across like everywhere that, the, that Nick Foles, is capable of being a good-to-elite quarterback. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills.
0: I have the same exact feeling and reaction to the next game that we're going to go go to. The San Francisco 49ers going to the New England Patriots, absolutely molly whopping them in Gillette Stadium. Cam Newton is the man I was referring to, throwing three interceptions and, and only 98 passing yards and 19 rushing yards. I mean, this Niners team is very surprisingly playing well with all the injuries, that, especially defensively, that they have sustained. And offensively, they're slowly but surely getting it back. There's no amazing stats that pop out. They just played a complete game. Jeff Wilson Jr. had three touchdowns there on the ground there for him. But Cam Newton, like I alluded to earlier, worst game as a Patriot, hands down. Wally, is it time? For everyone to hop off the Cam Newton and Patriots bandwagon. And are the Niners Are the Niners potentially gonna sneak up and make a run of that loaded NFC West division?
1: So I'll start with the Patriots first. I was basically pushing the bandwagon myself before the year. I felt like one of the few people out there that had the Patriots win this division. Clearly that that's for good reason. I really put too much into the Bill Belichick. Uh, is the greatest coach ever in my head. You still need to actually go out and execute. And Cam Newton, ever since his shoulder injuries, he's not really looked the same. He, he looked decent in the first couple games of the year, but he's really starting to fall off. And honestly, this, to me, if anything, shows that we need to have longer leashes on coaches in the NFL. If this guy was named anybody but Bill Belichick right now, and we've seen this team underachieve like they have so far this year, we'd be like, oh, wow, you know what? This head coach is not doing what we expected him to. We're a joke as fans of the NFL. We expect too much too fast. I Honestly, it's crazy to think. I thought it was going to be Bill Belichick smiling as Tom Brady went off into the sunset. Tom Brady looks like he's winning that stupid fan battle of, was it Bill Belichick or was it Tom Brady? Guess what? It was both of them. They helped each other. They both are the best for a reason. Patriots are dead. I don't think that they're going to come back up. Cam Newton looks terrible unless he completely turns it around looks like week 1 2 uh Cam Newton again I think the Patriots are dead and we're probably very close to seeing Jarrett Stine for the Niners I keep harping on how much I love Kyle Shanahan he's one of the best coaches in the league this roster is depleted right now the offense is meh talent wise and what's he do he's still finding ways with person xyz to get it done that's all he does I love Kyle Shanahan. I think this Niners team is going to at least be around week 16, week 17. If they make a wild card this year, I'm very, very close to putting him as coach of the year in my eyes. But we're going to transition from one coaching matchup that was outstanding to another. Mike Vrabel and Mike Tomlin talk about potential coaches of the year. Those guys are unreal. I loved both of those teams. I went in last week saying this is the battle of teams that could potentially beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Steelers turned it over three times. They lost a the turnover battle three to nothing. They still won by three. And not only did they beat the Titans, it felt like they beat the officiating much of Sunday. Steven, does this loss for the Titans, is it kind of just a blip on the radar? You ignore it because you lost to an outstanding Steelers team? Or do you think that there's a little bit more of issues there? And then as for the Steelers, how good do you think this team is? Because I tell you what, man, I if they get by the, the Chiefs, they're my Super Bowl winner.
0: So hopefully I can just answer this in one false swoop here. So I think that this is just a classic good team being beat by another good team. The Tennessee Titans are averaging 401 yards of offense per game this season. The Steelers held them to 292. Less than a hundred yards rushing, especially for Derrick Henry, didn't really have that glorious of a game. But that, Steel, that Steeler's number two defense is holding them. Yeah, I know that Big Ben and that offense turned the ball over three times, but man, oh man, when you have a number two defense like that, you can take some shots. I wish Brett Favre would have a defense like this in his prime, being able to sling the ball and turn it over. That's three times a game that they're doing to at least have a defense to keep them in that game. And offensively, I mean, it's just circus, circus delay of wide receivers that they have there. The Steelers just consistently draft great wide receiver prospects. Deontay Johnson this week having his turn. 80 yards, nothing too crazy. The two touchdowns add on to it. You got Chase Claypool here that was going off all year. Juju Smith-Suster, you're just waiting for him to pop off here. So now it's, Pittsburgh's just showing what, what they have available here offensively, and it looks dangerous as well as you pair that with James Conner in the backfield, sprinkled in a little Billy Snell as well, or Benny, Benny Snell? Benny Snell, yeah. You sprinkle in a little Benny Snell as well this offense is pretty dangerous paired up with that number two defense so I'm gonna agree with you that this was the battle of the two teams most likely that could be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Steelers I had the slight edge with them and they got it they got it done and they are a dangerous team here but for one battle to the next we had the battle of Ohio going on here this past Sunday Baker Mayfield and the Browns winning, yet again, 2-0 on the season against the Cincinnati Bengals. Baker with five touchdown passes. But Joey B still putting up numbers, 406 yards and three touchdowns himself. Outside of Baker's five touchdowns, the biggest story here for the Browns is Odell Beckham Jr. going down with an ACL injury. Obviously, he's out for the year. So we we already know how the Bengals are. Joey B is going to be Joey B. We'll talk about him next year for the years to come. But for this year, now with OBJ out of the Browns offense, what should we be expecting moving forward this season on how this offense is going to look and operate, Wally?
1: Well, I'll start with the Bengals first of all, purely because uh, they're the team that's already out of the playoffs. They they were not a threat this year. This year was purposely for – Joey Burrow's development. And I tell you what, I know Bengals fans are tired of losing close games. It sucks. It's not fun. This is the year to do it. Go get a couple more draft picks. Go fill out that offensive line a little bit. Start rebuilding that defense because guess what? Joey B is the truth. This guy is unbelievable. 35-47 this last week. Not to mention just an athlete. There was a play with about two minutes left in that game. Like third and 13 after several false starts in a couple-play period for the Bengals. What's he do? Quarterback draw right up the middle. Looked like the fastest player on the field for a moment. It's a team to be fired up about. It's a quarterback to be fired up about. So don't panic with these ugly losses, Bengals fans. Browns fans, you lose OBJ. 80% of you on Twitter right now are trying to argue that this is better for Baker Mayfield. You're a lunatics if you believe that. But if I'm a Baker Mayfield fan or if I at least wanted to see if this – team was going to move on with baker mayfield or move on from baker mayfield this next year this was a big game he starts 0 for 5 throws a pick finishes 22 of 23 including that dime to donathan donovan, Pe- donovan peoples jones to effectively win the game it was a <laughs> it was an unreal game for baker His only incompletion after the 0 for 5 start was a spike i i the browns I mean, I don't think they're a Super Bowl threat. I don't think they're a threat to the Steelers or Ravens. But they can beat some teams. They're a team that I think could win a game or two in the postseason. And, I mean, if anything, the state of Ohio, from an NFL perspective, man, is the future bright right now. Well, here's uh, none related to what we were just talking about. Cody he's missed extra point at the end of that game, Stephen. Cost of the Browns, the cover of minus three and a half. Plenty of very upset. People out there, my buddy Hayden up in Northwest Ohio, I know he lost a, a pretty penny on that.
0: Brutal, brutal loss. Bad beat if I've ever seen one. The half point, that's why you take it. But to flip it over, back to a little bit of Joe Burrow stat here. Outside of the Ravens game, obviously they lost 27-3. to He keeps the Bengals in these games. He's lost all, the other four games. He has a tie and four losses, the, or five losses. The other four, All one-possession games. So he knows how to keep this team in here. It only seems like even with that bad of a defense, that they're just one piece away, maybe offensively, that they can be something dangerous here. Maybe just a classic Marvin Lewis team, just go to the wild card game every year and lose. I don't know. I'm not too sure. But you know who just keeps on trucking and winning? The New Orleans Saints without star Michael Thomas. Beating the... Carolina Panthers with the last second field goal by Will Lutz here. Drew Brees continues to play what Drew Brees is looking like this year. Just 287 yards, two touchdowns. So, Wally, the Panthers are looking good. Can they potentially keep this up, keep a competitive edge here and make a run for a potential wild card spot in the NFC? And how bad do the Saints need Michael Thomas back?
1: Well, you know, it's crazy, too, because we're starting to hear a lot of uh, smoke out there that – Michael Thomas might be moved at the deadline. I don't believe that happens. I don't think that you – I mean, we've already seen what the Texans did. You don't get rid of a top five wide receiver in their prime for, what, scraps? You don't do that. That's not what good organizations do. And the Saints, I do believe, is a good organization. The Saints, they do have a declining quarterback at the very tail end of his career. That is obviously a little bit of an obstacle but he's got that IQ. We talk about it each week. These guys with high football IQs towards the end of their career, they're able to put their team in a good enough position to win these games still. Peyton Manning was – everybody's so afraid to have that Peyton Manning drop off in their mind. He had those surgeries on his neck too that also accelerated that really steep decline. You're not going to see that with guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Big Ben. So I, I, I think the, the Saints could still realistically make a big push. So could the Panthers though. This Panthers team – They play tough against everybody. Teddy Bridgewater, he's a good quarterback. He more or less just keeps his team in in games. We talk about how important it is to be responsible with the football, not turn it over in the NFL, especially in that division where you're going to have teams like the Saints and the Buccaneers, both with 10-plus wins. But, yeah, you asked me if the Panthers can make a run and potentially make a wild card. Absolutely. There's no reason why they shouldn't. They don't have the best defense, but their defense is good enough in today's NFL to at least keep them in games and offense, especially with Christian McCaffrey back. Who knows? I think it's going to be a team that's very worth watching, a team that's a blast to to see potentially make a playoff run. But talking about playoff runs, let's switch it on over here to your Green Bay Packers, who rebounded very nicely after that tough loss to Tampa Bay, beat up on an inferior opponent in Houston. But, man, it, it seemed like a game that, it felt important. It felt more important than just one game. You have to come back. You have to respond well, especially with the Bears at 5-1. and one. What was your major takeaways as a Packer fan? And then even taking a step back, what's your major takeaways for the Texans? Are they – we're just going to completely punt on them and Romeo Cornell in the rest of the year, right?
0: Absolutely. With the Houston Texans, that's what you just have to do. There's a lot of talks, especially with Green Bay having interest in Will Fuller. They just had a nice little look at him um, on the sideline here this past Sunday. And you see a lot of chatter about possibly Kenny Stills as well. I'm very interested to see what is going to happen with Houston. I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. It seemed just a calendar year ago, a little bit, even a little bit less. It looked like Deshaun Watson had it made with a weapon like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins to his left. Even if they had, they should have just added Brandon Cooks. Just gotten rid of Will Fuller with DeAndre Hopkins and paired him up. But that's not how it, it is going to go on that side. I'm interested to see maybe potentially if Houston wants to rattle off some wins down the stretch. Romeo Cornell could have another shot at being a head coach. I think that that could be very interesting. Mm. But only time will tell with that. Now for for my Green Bay Packers, I enjoyed this. Without having Aaron Jones in the lineup, I was very skeptical um, Aaron Rodgers didn't put up a, an amazing game, 283 with four touchdowns. I mean, I love to see that, but nothing really stuck out. He hit the easy, the easy dimes that I'm expecting Aaron Rodgers to hit, no matter what age that he is playing at, against a secondary that's very susceptible, as the Houston Texans are. Jamal Williams having a good game, but what really stood out to me here, a couple questions: um, Devonte Adams is clearly a top three wide receiver in the league this year and he still had a couple injuries. I'm waiting someone can argue with me on that. There's been there's tons of praise around the league from opposing cornerbacks as well as opposing wide receivers that love Devontae's Adams and his route running ability. And he's a beast. The thing that stuck out to me the most about the Green Bay Packers that kind of worries me a lot, which everyone should know once Devontae Adams is out, yeah, Aaron Rodgers can get it done. But Devonte, 13 receptions for 196, his career high, and two touchdowns. The next person highest on this list for receptions is the running back Jamal Williams for 37 yards. The only other wide receiver on this list is Malik Taylor, who's probably about fifth or sixth on the depth chart. Probably, okay, I'll take that back. Probably fourth or fifth on the depth chart. Outside of that, it's running backs and tight ends. So this is a very boring Matt LaFleur offense that they have. I don't really know if... This is their peak of just dominating good teams, and when you get a top ten defense in there, they just completely get crippled. That's my takeaway from it. Great game to get back on track. Have a favorable schedule here, especially against the Vikings, um, to stay undefeated in the in the division. So I'm looking pumped for that. But man, what I was looking pumped for before the whole o line crisis was happening, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Was that in Tampa Bay? Was that in Vegas? doesn't really matter. It was in Vegas. Oh, man. So it was in the Death Star. Tampa Bay just giving them the work, having a complete game here, beating up on your Raiders here. Tom Brady looking in peak form. 369 and four touchdowns. Grock continuing, just having fun, being a blocking tight end, catching a ball here or there. Tampa Bay winner three of the last four Raiders one and three since their two and zero start. Are the, are the Bucks starting to heat up at the right time? And are they going to start proving people wrong while you like yourself and how dangerous will a, the addition of a B here and what's going on with your Raiders?
1: Well, first of all, I'll start with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady does look as he looks at. He looks like he's in his prime. He's 43 years old. You should not be able to do this. That pass to Scotty Miller 10, the first half in the back of the end zone was incredible. That's, one of the best passes you'll see in the entire year. And, the I mean, the Raiders defense sucks, but he actually had decent coverage on that. It was just a perfectly placed ball. Tampa Bay, uh, yeah, they're definitely proving me wrong, making me look like a bit of an idiot right now. There, If I had to go back in time, of course, I'd change my opinion. i grow. i change my takes. I'm okay with that. The Buccaneers are going to win the division. They are a legitimate threat to come out of the NFC, an NFC that has at least each team in it has – a glaring hole or something that teams can potentially exploit. The Bucs feel very complete compared to the other contenders in the NFC. So yeah, Tampa Bay uh they they looked very very good right now. Fun fact too on that Gronk touchdown early in the game. That put Tom Brady and Gronk as the second most touchdowns by a quarterback to a receiver, in this case a tight end duo in NFL history only behind Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning have a little bit of work to do to catch up there but who knows Tom Brady might play till he's 100 for the Raiders. I'm not panicked about this uh being 3 and 3 now. You start 2 and 0, oh, what do you do? You play two teams that you should win. You beat those teams. They are in the middle of an absolute gauntlet of the schedule. It's almost over now. I'm very excited. I still have a lot of good takeaways from these games. You you lose to the Bills in this stretch, you lose to the Buccaneers in this stretch, and then of course you lose earlier in the uh, the year to the Patriots as well, when the Patriots still looked like a football team. I'm I'm not going to panic. This was a four point game in the second half until the entire right side of the offensive line is gone. Trent Brown out because of COVID. You lose good early in the game. You lose you or, or young excuse me not good. You lose young early in the game, and then you lose Gabe Jackson on a just an absolute joke of a what would it be uh, getting tossed out? What am I looking for? Give me a word, Steven. What a Jackson. Thank you guy with-, with the brain. Appreciate you. So yeah, once the Gabe Jackson, <laughs> once the game Jackson ejection happened, their wheels fell off in this game. The Raiders were down four points with 12 minutes left. The Buccaneers had a third and 13 and they gave it up on a check down underneath the Leonard Fournette, not even Rojo. I was disgusted. That was the end of the game. The wheels fell off the wagon from there. Everything can get back on track this next week. We'll break it down in a little bit. They go to Cleveland, and they follow that up with the Chargers, and then home to the Broncos. Those are three very winnable games. You have, have, have to win at least two of those. But I'm not panicking yet. Nelson Aguilar, his hands were a little bit of a concern in the second half there, looking like a little bit like Philadelphia Nelson Aguilar. I'm not going to press the panic button, though. He's been outstanding. Up until that point, the first, what would that be? 22 quarters of the season he's been out phenomenal need to get the ball to Henry Ruggs more there's plenty of good things though plenty of good things much more good than bad three and three I think is a fair description of what this team is at this point but with a much more favorable schedule down the stretch I still think this team is poised to get into the playoffs as a wild card team
0: and that's gonna wrap us up in the week seven recap here so we're gonna dive right in to the week eight best that we have here between me and Wally. What
1: the hell's going on out here?
0: Wally, being the man that lives in Pennsylvania, gets the fan duel up. Has that legal sports book. So, Wally, we're going to go to you here. Let's go through some games, bud, and we're going to tell you guys what we're thinking and who our picks are, and we're going to guide you guys in the right direction. I know. (laughs) Me and Wally were not as good as we typically are last week, but you know what? That is gambling in a nutshell, and we're going to own up to it. We were absolute dog shit last week. I think we had four wins between the two of us, but I don't care. This week is a new week. If you think you're going to win every single bet, then get the fuck out of gambling and go win the lottery because you probably think you're going to win that too. So, Wally, take it away, bud.
1: Uh, Yeah, we were bad last week. It's time to get back on track. I really just hope some of you listen to that last scream for the Buckeyes to cover because they're going to cover again this weekend too. Get ready for it. But let's jump right in here. FanDuel is the book we're using here, sports book out here in PA. So the line might be a little different than you, depending on where you're at. But here it is. As of right now, Wednesday at 744, the line. First game here. Tomorrow's Thursday night game. We have the Panthers, are two-point favorites, at home against the Atlanta Falcons. It's a weird situation because I think the Falcons are arguably more talented than Carolina. Carolina just gets the job done. They're fundamentally strong, and the Falcons find ways to lose. Until the Falcons prove to me that they're a football team that could close out games, play a full 60 minutes, I'm taking the Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers' money line, and I'm also going to take the Panthers' minus two. What do you got for me? Do you agree with me, or do you think the Falcons get back on track
0: tomorrow? It's hard. It's a division game. It's a Thursday night game. The teams are both coming off a loss. Atlanta's more used to the losing this year or in general, than Carolina has been this year. I'm going to stay away from the spread personally on this one, and I'm going to take the over 49. Carolina allowing 24 points per game. Atlanta allowing 29.6. So I'm expecting this to be a division shootout this week. A lot of offensive points scored. Not a lot of great defense. Carolina has a better defense than Atlanta, so that means Carolina has about a top 15 defense and Atlanta, kind of has a bottom tier five, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the over 49 on this one.
1: Well, yeah, and I was gonna say that would be a solid over. I know over here we have it at 51.5 right now. If you find it at 49. You're right, Steven. Jump all well, over I'm, that. Even if
0: I do apologize. That is on my book. I have it at 49, so I am taking that all day.
1: Yeah, of course. I would 100% agree. If you find it at 49, you hammer that. Now, going on to the team that just defeated that Atlanta Falcons team in dramatic fashion, the Detroit Lions are hosting the Indianapolis Col- Colts. They are home dogs in this game. They're two-and-a-half-point uh, underdogs. I'm just going to go out right out and say it. I think the Lions win this game outright. We talked about this being – The stretch here that the Lions have to take advantage of, I think this is one of the biggest games on that stretch. They have to come out early. They jump up. You have to look because this team has a couple times this year blown big leads, especially at home. Detroit did it against New Orleans. They did it against Chicago. I think that they're going to figure it out this week. I'm going with Matt Patricia and the boys. I'm taking the Lions plus two and a half, and I'm going to take them with the money line as well at plus 134. Who do you got in this game?
0: I know I was kind of talking Detroit up here a little bit, but I'm gonna have to go with the Colts, and I have them at minus three on my book here. I'm gonna go with the Colts minus three. They're coming off a bye week here. That secondary is still a top secondary in the league. It's gonna cause a lot of problems for Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford could have moved the ball at a former or another dome team in Atlanta last week against a extremely porous secondary. So if you're gonna if you're gonna give them a top five secondary to go up against this week, there's gonna be a lot of question marks raised. So I'm gonna have the Colts continuing and quietly being a five and two team and beating this Detroit Lions team and covering the minus three.
1: Wow. Okay. There you go. So we're a little bit different there. So I guess kind of you got to pick your own flavor on this game. Now we're going back to Cleveland to talk about the Raiders going to. Uh, the That Baker Mayfield's home there from the commercials, the Browns are two-and-a-half-point home favorites. I call me a biased homer. I don't care. I think the Raiders are going to get back on track, get in the win on this week, especially if they do have everybody back. Abrams back from his quarantine. Trent Brown, hopefully he's able to come back. He's healthy. If not, you still have a decent offensive line there, assuming everybody has recouped. I think that you take the Raiders' money line as well as plus 2.5 and, a half and a bonus as well. The over of 51.5, I don't know how that doesn't hit. I think that this is going to be a shootout. Both of these defenses have struggled to stop teams. And if the Raiders can block Miles Garrett, I think this is a game where both teams are in the 30s. I think the Raiders win a shootout and obviously cover 2.5. See where are you at?
0: So I do not think that the Vegas Raiders can block Miles Garrett. There's too many questions surrounding your O-line. You, you know the key words you said there. You assume that they're going to be healthy and be able to go. Now, we don't know that. So I'm going to I'm gonna stay away from the line altogether, and I'm going to take the sack line. Most of them are typically set at about four and a half sacks between the two teams combined. I love that. Anytime the Washington – Football team has a line on there that's intriguing at four, four and a half. I hammer that. Did it this past weekend when they played the Cowboys. But I'm going to take the Browns and Raiders sack line over four and a half. Odds will vary depending on that. I'm assuming that's going to be around minus 150 to 170. But I'm going go with the sack line on this. A little uh, prop bet, untraditional here.
1: Yeah, a little untraditional. And I hope the Browns are able to get five sacks for you because I know the Raiders won't do it with that
0: joke of a defense. But that's okay. They, they, Max Crosby can give me at least one, right? I
1: don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm losing faith in this defense by the second. Paul Gunther needs to get fired. You you've heard my takes on that. I'm disgusted with the defense. It's a joke. They've given up 30 points or more in all but one game this year, and the other one was 24 points in a shootout win. Hammer the over, if anything. That's all I got. All
0: right, buddy. All right, buddy. Chill out. It's not a Raiders podcast. I'm
1: disgusted. I'm disgusted. So hammer the over. Hammer the over. But the Raiders do come out with the W. Now. The Rams are going to Miami. We get to see Tua once again. He's going to be a home dog here. Three-point underdog against the Rams. I I kind of want to take the Rams actually outright. I mean, this has been the week of the underdog so far with my picks. So I'm going to stick with it. I think the Dolphins cover plus three, and I think they get the money line as well at plus 152. It just feels like this is a – I'm not very high on the Rams. Obviously, I'm a clear hater. I've been all year, and I think that this is going to be – Kind of the Brian Flores coming out party of, wow, this Dolphins team, much more for real than people think or have thought going into this game and going into the season.
0: Now, I'm, I don't know what to think of this game. Yeah, I have the Rams at minus three and a half as the favorites here in Miami. We're all, right when we see this game, we're all thinking back to the Seattle game here a couple of weeks ago when that line was only at six and. I know I was jumping all over it. For the record, they did cover, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, man, I know is making his first NFL start, but against this Rams defense and Aaron Donald, man, his the first time he's going to get tackled in the NFL is going to be from Aaron Donald. That man might disintegrate into the turf. So I'm very interested. I'm going to be taking the Rams minus three, even though on the road. I know Miami is just blowing teams out. They blew out the 49ers team that is still – even with the injuries, a top-ten defense, they just shut down Cam Newton, who was rolling all all over people. I'm very interested to see how this Miami's Dolphins team is going to be looking, but at the end of the day, I'm going to pick the Los Angeles Rams to cover uh, with the three-and-a-half that I have here on my book, and you, you just took them on the money line, while You don't have any confidence.
1: No, I, I told you. I've got faith in Tua and Flores this weekend. I think that it's going to be the start of a very long marriage between the two of them down there in Miami. Now, Minnesota is going to Green Bay. We already talked about this, but the Packers, on mine, it was seven. It's down to six and a half out here in Pittsburgh right now. That half point feels absolutely critical. And to be honest, I think the Packers blow out Minnesota. Minnesota is having a season from hell right now. I don't think they're going to be able to walk into Lambeau and, and find a way to compete in this game. I don't think that it's even really much of a game, even at half. Maybe uh, the Packer in you, maybe you can tell me that you think it will be a little bit more of a game because it's a divisional game and a rivalry at that. But for me personally, I have Packers minus six and a half, and they win big.
0: Yeah, I have Green Bay. I still have the full seven points here on my book. I'm going to – most for the most part – I've been very dead on with all my Packers picks here. You know, I picked Tampa Bay at plus two as well as the over when they played each other, which obviously the over didn't hit, but the plus two hit. But I have a lot of confidence of Green Bay covering the six and a half, seven, even up to an eight and a half, nine point against the Minnesota Vikings. This defense is allowing 417 yards per game and 32 points per game. And arguably this team has gotten worse since their week one meeting. They traded away Yannick Ngakwe, and this defense hasn't done anything spectacular over the time that the last time that these teams met. That really stands out to me thinking that they can stay competitive, you know, in a division game where, let's be honest here, Green Bay's been very dominant in the division here the past last, you know, decade or so. So I nothing sticking out here for Minnesota. I hope Justin Jefferson has a great game because I have him on a couple fantasy teams outside of that. I got Green Bay by a couple uh, by a couple scores here, and no problem. I'd put a lot of money on this game. I think this is the lock of the week.
1: I'm I'm actually right there with you. It feels like a deceptive line. It's it, you brought up the Seattle uh, Miami game a minute ago. It feels almost like that where I feel like someone's pulling the wool over my eyes. Not quite sure why it's like that. So yeah, ride with. I I completely agree. We want to talk about a locker week. We both feel that way. Packers minus six and a half or seven. Either way, I think that they cover. And I'm with you, man.
0: Oh no! Oh, I just threw seventy-five on them. What's right, That's baby? High. Go pack, go.
1: Now, here's a fun question for you, Stephen. Without looking anything up, tell me how many points the New York Jets have scored in the last three weeks.
0: I'm going to go with twenty-eight. They've
1: scored twenty points in the last three weeks. They have scored eighty-five points all year, and including twenty-eight in one game, which means. They have scored 13 or fewer points in all but two games. That's incredible. That is some of the worst football that we've ever seen in our our lifetimes. And what does that equate to? That equates to the New York Jets traveling to Kansas City as 19-and-a-half-point underdogs. That feels – that's a banana lands kind of thing. That's a college line. That is a college line. And – Yes. I really, really want to say, you know what? You cannot be a nineteen and a half point favorite and cover in covering the NFL. You simply can't do it. But here's the thing: how many points do we think the Jets are capable of scoring this weekend? At tops, fourteen. If you think it's fourteen, you got to take the Chiefs, right?
0: This this line is just so intriguing. Every single time I put a double digit line on here, I feel like it loses because it's most likely does. But Kansas City technically would have covered the nineteen point spread against the Broncos here last week. And they're playing a way worse team in the New York Jets. So this it's nineteen and a half here. I'm I still want to get the ninth I still want to take it. Fuck it. I'm taking the nineteen and a half Chiefs all day. They're gonna easily they should easily win by four touchdowns in this game and hell, the over under 49 that was it the chiefs might be able to cover that themselves they might put a 50 breaker up on these on these new york jets so we'll see 19 and a half i'm just gonna get fucking crazy with it
1: i'm i'm, I'm gonna actually agree with you i think 19 and a half i'm taking the chiefs because even if the jets score 14 points the chiefs have to score thirty four. They will have 34-plus points against the New York Jets this weekend. I I don't know why. It, I'm with you. I feel like it's going to be even worse than 19.5. I don't know where the points come from. And to be honest, this feels like maybe a Madden turn it to rookie mode just to get your frustration out kind of game for the Chiefs. They haven't looked or played their best football yet this year. Why not go out and just dog walk New York for 60 straight minutes? So I'm with you. Feels weird, but I'm taking the Chiefs minus 19.5.
0: Not that the Chiefs need any extra motivation or any um, any cockiness in their step here. But, man, oh, man, they they got a couple breezy games like this that they've had. This team is going to get the confidence and their mojo going again, and we're going to have the same problem we had here last January and February. Well, that's
1: the crazy thing about the Chiefs so far, too, is we, they haven't played very well. Patrick Mahomes doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes. They're finding different ways to win, and I think that just makes them even scarier.
0: They're a run run team now. And now you're going to pair Le'Veon Bell here, and now he's going to get his first real looks. I mean, he played last week, but now he could get extended touches against his former team. You know that he's got that locker room pumped up. He's got a lot of friends in that league that some of them reside in that Kansas City locker room. They're going to get him juiced up. Chiefs by a million.
1: Well said. I'm with you. Chiefs win by a million as well. By a full billy goat. Now, from one budding dynasty to the dying dynasty. The new England Patriots are going to Buffalo and to what to, at this point of the season is the biggest game in the AFC East. If the Patriots have any chance to get back into this race, they need to win in Buffalo. You finally want to take that freaking sword. That's what it is. It's what's the, you know, the sword we grew up watching It's stuck in the damn rock. The Buffalo bills have to figure out how to get that damn sword out. And right now, I, I, they're three and a half point favorites at home. I think they do it. I think they finally get over the hill. They finally get over that New England Patriots like bugaboo for them that they've just never really been able to conquer. And I think that they win by at least two scores. Maybe you think it's gonna be a little closer than that. But I think I'm taking the bills in kind of a we'll, we'll call it a 27 14 kind of win.
0: I uh, could not agree more with you here on the Buffalo Bills, Wally. And And it's so nice to hear you say that. You know, compared to what we were talking about here eight weeks ago, you were not this high on the Buffalo Bills, and it looks like I talked you into it. The Buffalo Bills minus three, definitely the biggest game in the division thus far. The Bills are looking to recap and get on another win streak here. Hopefully this can start snowballing into something that will eventually just take them way above, not have to worry about any of the other division games. But, yeah, I have the Bills minus three here. It's going to be a defensive showdown. It's going to be fun. Cam Noon's going to have a lot to prove in this game. And he gets to play his former teammate in Josh Norman on the other side of the ball. So that's always going to be fun. Bills minus three here in Buffalo. I hope it's going to be snowy like it was there in Kansas City. That would be the absolute best.
1: It, it would be awesome to see the, the freaking Patriots lose a snow game after having to see the damn Tuck rolls shoved down my throat for three hours this last Sunday.
0: All right, okay, Wally, get over it. Jesus I can't Christ. get
1: over it. They robbed us. It. It's fine. The Steelers, though, they are going to Baltimore. In what <laughs> to me, you know, we we really built up that Kansas City Baltimore game earlier in the year. We built up the Steelers Titans game. We keep building these games up. This feels like it should have been a Sunday night football game. The fact that it isn't is kind of gross to me. It feels disgusting, especially when you consider that the Sunday night game is a Dallas Cowboys and a Philadelphia Eagles. That's stupid.
0: Agreed. Could not agree that more. That just
1: bothers me. They talk about needing to flex something out. I don't care. Lie and say someone has COVID. Give me the Steelers and Ravens on Sunday night football. The Steelers are three and a half point underdogs right now. I am going to, I'm just going to do it again. I'm taking another under underdog money line. The Steelers are going to win this game. I think that they honestly do all but shut down Lamar. And then all of a sudden we're going to be in a week talking about how the Pittsburgh Steelers are the second best team in the entire NFL. I'm ready. I'm right there already. Maybe you disagree with maybe, maybe you think that I need to pump the brakes on the Steelers thing, but man, I don't know how they're three and a half point dogs right now.
0: Yeah, they're up. They're up to four-point dogs here on the book that wow. I have. But I'm going to I'm gonna have to take Baltimore on this one, Wally. The reason behind it, right, Steelers are just that team. Right when you think that they, that they have it all together, they're firing on all cylinders, they lose the big games. They always seem to lose the big games against the New England Patriots, regular season or in the playoffs. It just seems like this Baltimore team, they started to have it going. They're getting their confidence back after losing to – the Kansas City Chiefs. They're coming off a bye week, the Baltimore Ravens, so they're preparing. It's a division game. I don't think, if anything, I take the Steelers plus four, but I, I'm i going to go with the Ravens' money line straight up here. Um, if you want to double dip there a little bit, I think that's a good way to go about it, but the Ravens' money line at home, it's going to be a defensive battle, and it's going to be fun. But I have the Ravens edging it out here early. Uh, this is their first matchup, so the second time they play when it's in Heinz Field, talk to me, then that could be a different story.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I can see why you feel that way. It's just, I don't know. I feel like these two teams almost play better on the road when they play against one another. I don't have the stats in front of me. It just always feels like Pittsburgh gives Baltimore fits in Baltimore. Then Baltimore turns right back around and wins in Heinz Field. I think if I... I I know I said Pittsburgh sweeps this series last week, and I really, really am split on my head. I might change my mind, but I think the Steelers win this one. It should be a good game either way. Uh, Betting-wise, maybe stay away from it, but that's not who we are. We already gave you our picks. Now, the team Pittsburgh just beat, the Tennessee Titans, five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Joey B and the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that the Titans blow the Bengals out, and I don't think it's anybody's fault except for the fact that I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to stop a nosebleed in this game. This is going to be a game if you have Derrick Henry, you get fired up in fantasy. But if you're playing against him, chalk the week up as an L. I think the, the Titans – I don't know if the Titans punt on Sunday, Stephen. I think the Titans win more than five and a half, and I think it's easy.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Tennessee is going to be hungry after that game. Just a gut-wrenching loss. Have a Pittsburgh offense turn the ball over three times. You guys are not able to capitalize enough to the point where you win the game. It's a gun-wrenching game. It's a game that gets you back into reality, having a good week of practice. And hell, this is a great bounce-back game, going to Cincinnati. Don't care if it's in Cincinnati, if it's in if it's in Tennessee. This is going to be an absolute blowout. And even if you have Derek Henry, which I do in one of my fantasy leagues, and I love having him. I also just picked up, Ryan Tannehill off waivers and I expect him to light up the secondary and have another big game Corey Davis back in that offensive uh, starting wide receiver role as well as with AJ Brown getting healthy so this is only going to be their third their third full game together this season between Corey Davis and AJ Brown so it's going to be very fun to watch this offense and I think I can see them putting up 35 easily 10 hills out by the fourth quarter if not halfway through it yeah I, I... Tennessee minus five and hundred
1: percent. Yeah. I think we're both in there. This feels like another one right there with that Packers pick. It's close to me as being a lock of the week for me as well. This is, it feels like a home run. Only thing that can screw you up is Joey B has a career game. Only thing
0: that can screw you up. Yeah. Which is very possible at this point. You for know, for sure. I
1: mean, Joey Burrow has been a phenomenal rookie. It's just, they can't win these games already against inferior opponents. I don't think they keep this one close. Uh, now going from one rookie quarterback that we're impressed by, to having a rookie quarterback versus effectively a rookie in Drew Locke. We have Justin Herbert, Drew Locke battle here. The L.A. Chargers are three-point favorites in Denver. I think I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think I'm going to go with the Chargers minus three. The Broncos seem like they are just unraveling. We mentioned it earlier. I was really high on Drew Locke entering the year. Maybe I need to pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not willing to give up yet. I think that that's another position that we need to be a little more patient as fans, especially when you have two rookie uh, wide receivers you're getting to hang with uh, as well. But I I think I'm going to take the Chargers minus three. Justin Herbert's too much. Broncos defense is banged up. I think the Chargers, I think they're going to hang over 30 on them.
0: The Chargers offense is looking good. And it's funny because this Chargers team should be a lot better. Justin Herbert's playing great ball he's at what well, he's had at least three touchdowns in the four losses that he's had and they just are losing by one possessions as well. So Justin Herbert is keeping this team competitive, you know, a very injured defense. Like he said before, why well, stop me if you've heard this before, but yeah, the injured defense, my goodness. At the end of the day, it's a division battle against the two bottom tier teams, young quarterback play here. I'm going to stay away from this because for some reason I can just see this Broncos team bouncing back in a division game like this, finally coming back home and playing a Justin Herbert team. And quietly, Denver has the eighth-ranked defense in the league. So that's a, one of the tougher defenses that Justin Herberts have to has to play. His first game at Mile High Stadium. So it's going to be very interesting. So I'm going to stay away from the spread on this, and I'm actually going to take the over 44.5. I still think Justin Herbert's going to put up some numbers. I can see him putting up at least three touchdowns. Drew Locke lighting up that that secondary for the Los Angeles Chargers that is that is ranking in the bottom 10 in the passing defensively. So this is going to be a high-scoring game, I think. Not as high-scoring. Oh, my God. You're okay. So this is going to be a good game to hit the over. I'm thinking like a weird score of a 28 24 that. I feel like that's such an AFC West score. You obviously would know better than me, Wally, but I'm going to go with the over 44 on this.
1: Yeah, I, I- – I could definitely see 44 being a a decent number here. I think most of it's going to come from the Chargers. Their biggest issue is, can the Broncos get back on track and hit that? But I I do think that over 44.5 seems – on mine, it's 44.5. That's what the bet I would take if I was going to touch an over-under there. Now, going from 44.5 to 43.5 this game under – because guess who it's going to be if it's an over-under of 43.5? The Chicago Bears. They are hosting the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are four-point favorites going to Chicago. This game is gross to me. If I had any sense at all, I wouldn't bet it. The Saints are they are just not 100% clicking on offense. They're finding ways to win. The Bears' defense, though, it's a very talented unit. I, I'm really, really hesitant to pick this game at all. But if I was going to do it, I'd probably just take the Saints' money line in general. That way it's a safer bet. That's minus 225. If you made me pick a spread, I'd pick the Saints' minus four as well. I think the Bears are going to start losing. They're going to start unraveling a little bit here. Steven, what do you think? Do you think the Bears are able to cover that four and a half and maybe – or four, plus four – do you think, Stephen, the Bears are going to cover plus four? Or do you think that the Saints are going to give them the work in Chicago on Sunday?
0: As much as I hate saying this, and I can't believe, and I, hold on, I got to take a drink before I say this so I don't throw up. Of course. Oh, on, wasn't big enough. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears plus four on this one. Drew Brees outside. It's going to be a nice Chicago day. It's going to be. Low 40s, high 30s, maybe mid-40s. A little bit of gloomy, not as much sun. They're traveling. Michael Thomas still hasn't really played with the team that Mojo's obviously lost from the lack of offseason that they already had. And Chicago's going to be hungry, going to be looking to... Make their mark offensively, and not saying that they're going to have a huge offensive game, but I think that they get it done somewhat. Maybe if Nick Foles doesn't want to turn the ball over, but defensively, I think that they could potentially be feasting on, on Drew Brees and, and an offense that's looking at potentially not having Michael Thomas there as well as Emmanuel Sanders. So I'm going to go with Chicago plus four in this, the home dog. <sighs> I can't believe I got to wrap them up there.
1: Yeah, I, I can honestly see this going either way, so I don't blame you whatsoever picking that. It's just, it's a, it's just a weird situation all the way around with both these teams. I don't trust either one of them. So again, if you're smart out there, I probably would stay away. But that's not what we do here. Uh, now you want to switch it on over to here to NFC West. We have another showdown out here. In another one of these games that I think we might be talking about in December having value if the 49ers are able to do something. The San Francisco 49ers are two-and-a-half point dogs in Seattle. I think the Seahawks are going to rebound. I think they're going to win. I love Kyle Shanahan. I just don't think they have the horses to keep up with Seattle's offense. Then again, you really don't need too many horses to to put the ball in the end zone against the Seahawks' defense. But I'm going to stick with my gut reaction. I'm going to say Seahawks minus two-and-a-half and win outright as well. Steven, where, where are you at on this one?
0: I got Seattle. I have them at minus, minus three on my book, but the odds are plus 100. Essentially, you're going to win the money back that you're putting down down to the cent. I'm going to go with Seattle minus three on this. They're going to be eager to bounce back against a Cardinals team. They, they cannot lose two division games back-to-back. San Francisco is the only team in the NFC West. That is still undefeated in division play so you cannot allow san francisco to have that leg up like you said playing this team week 17 of this season so seattle's going to be hungry they have to win this home game it's going to be big i have them covering on this game but man i'm and it's making me second guess myself too because these are even without bosa on there it's, it's shanahan and pete carroll on that field it's going to be interesting.
1: From one divisional opponent or divisional matchup to another, Dallas, on Sunday Night Football, is playing the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm so tired. Everybody makes the jokes because everybody knows how ridiculous it is. But why does the NFC East have every single Sunday Night Football game every single year? It feels like you have eight different times these teams match up, and I'm so tired of it. But the Eagles are seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Cowboys. We really don't know what's going on there in Dallas. I mean, if you score three points against Washington, yeah, the defense is good. But with how bad the offense is, you should be able to get good uh, field position. I think that the Eagles are going to run them out of the gym again. I think the Cowboys suck, and I think they're going to completely unravel. Eagles minus 7.5, they win enormous here.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles minus 7.5 as well. They don't even have the odds in my book. That's how uncertain they are on this this game. But there's no confidence in betting against Dallas. They just gave away arguably their best – Russell, they have an Everson Griffin. Thanks. I love that Minnesota gets rid of him only to have him back in the division for into the Detroit Lions hands. So that's great. But, yeah, I have I have Philly covering this game. I have no confidence in the Cowboys and what they are think that they can do offensively. Zeke looks like a clusterfuck. They're not going to be able to get anyone open. This O-line is just an absolute dumpster fire right now. Eagles minus seven. Sorry, Walter. No,
1: I agree with you. As much as it sucks to say, it's it's better to be a realistic person and make money anyways, right? Got to capitalize, uh, what, financially if we're going to be miserable in the, in our brain here, Stephen. Tom, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Ten and a half point favorites on the road. Monday Night Football going to MetLife to play the New York Giants. Man, that's, again, it's a lot of points. The Giants aren't the Jets. They at least have a pulse. They should have won last Thursday against Philadelphia had it not been for an unbelievable collapse uh, in the final, like, 10 minutes against Philadelphia. I think that the Buccaneers are going to cover. I'm going to take the Tom Brady in the Bucks minus 10 and a half. Win
0: big. Yeah, I'm just going to go with the Bucs 10.5. I'm obviously going to wait for this line to see if it wants to die down a little bit or move up to 11 and 12. I'm hoping it's going to crack under the double digits, maybe close at 9, 9.5. That's me just, uh, you know, wishing for the best. But I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Bucs minus 10.5. They're kind of rolling right now. They're going to go into MetLife, get another confidence boost in a win and a little warm-up game against the New York Giants here. And, and I have them coming away cover that spread very easily
1: and unfortunately that's all the gambling we have nfl wise right now so I, you know what to do steven take her away
0: and wally said it best those, that is the rest of the bets as well as that is the rest of the episode here of loss of down thank you for listening however you do if it's via spotify apple music or anchor.fm check us at our official new time every Thursday morning, right before the Thursday night game. It's a great way to kick off the pregame weekend. Like I said, on Spotify or Apple Music. Check out our Instagram at Loss of Down as well as our Twitter and our Facebook. Wally, thank you for joining me from Pittsburgh. Hopefully the bets will kick in here this week. We're looking for a hot week. Good luck to you here on Sunday and Saturday, and we will catch you here next week for another episode of Loss of Down. Buck
1: Penn State, Ohio State Big.